Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is how to face the confidence you how to fake the confidence you need. We're also chatting with Christina about uh, are we going overboard with our innovation? But right now, we're going to have a chat with Tony Vidre from AV Chartered Accountants. Good afternoon, Tony. Someone who fakes his confidence all the time. Is that what you're telling me? I didn't, didn't say a word. <laughs> I, I did listen to your show last night, though. Well, very good. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for listening in. That was great. Um, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk today about taking possession of our assets. Yes, in the context of um, of depreciation and the small uh, business write-off, and and uh, just a few questions that that cropped up in the uh, the lead up to um, to thirty June um, last year, and and some interesting uh, um, false advertising that goes fake news yeah. <laughs> that goes yeah. on that goes on around around the place and things that you hear in the pub and all those sort of things. So we'll try and dispel a few myths and and set things straight. So. So as we know, the you know the small business um, write-off. If you're a if you're an entity that turns over less than ten million dollars, then anything that you purchase for under twenty thousand dollars, you can write off in the year that you uh, you purchase it. But um, a couple of things that came up late last week, and one thing that a lot of people um, aren't aware of, and I think accountants every now and again, I had to go back to basics um, last week as well um, with it was. The, the ta- you have to actually take delivery of the asset, and, and that's something that um, I think a lot of people tend to forget in the rush to 30 June and get paperwork signed out. Because I had one client who was trying to buy an asset and said, oh, "Is it okay if they just give me an invoice dated right. before the 30th yeah. of June?" So I thought we'd explore and dispel some of those some of those myths. So the terminology that the tax office use when it comes to items of depreciation. Uh, they use the term installed and ready for use. So mm-hmm. the item has to be really, you have to take delivery of it mm. and you have to have it ready, you know, in your business to use. So when it comes to something like a forklift or a, or a motor vehicle, um, you need to take delivery of it. There's no, there's no ifs or buts with, you know, just getting an invoice dated 30th of June and even if you, you know, accrual accounting and all that sort of stuff, it just simply doesn't work. You have to actually physically take, um, you know, possession of the, of the um, of the asset, and I don't know too many places that would allow an asset like a motor vehicle. Do you know any car yards that would say, "Yeah, that's fine. You can you know, drive it out of the um, of the showroom and, and he's yeah, pay me. <laughs> he's an invoice. Pay me next week." Most of the time, you have to actually pay before you you know before you actually yeah. um, take possession of the of the vehicle. Now, so if there's no finance involved, that's quite it's quite straightforward. You need to take delivery of it. Um, you either pay cash for it. You can get away with this scenario that you take possession of, of an asset, get an invoice dated 29th of June and pay it you know, a week later, although I don't know a lot of circumstances where businesses would allow that in, the, that in the first place. Is that even in the case of your uh, on, a, on a cash basis business? Well, no, on a cash basis you've got to physically pay for you've it. You've got to so pay for happen, it. Yeah, that's it. So if you happen yep. to be a, a, a small business entity, turnover under $10 million, but you're still doing your income tax returns, not your GST, your income tax returns, on an accrual basis, there, there is an argument there that that well, it's accrual. So I've got an invoice yeah. and I've t- and I took possession of it, yeah. but I'll pay for it. But I don't know practically. It just I don't know any circumstances where where someone selling a large asset would would, would allow that to um, um, to happen in the first place. Well, I'm lucky. I put my I, I bought a new printer last a couple of weeks ago and and paid for it before the 30th of June. So I was okay, wasn't 
that's it. Well, they won't allow the printer to walk out the door unless you've no, they did. For they it. did. They, they gave me an invoice. And, oh, there yeah, you go. They gave me a 30-day account, but I actually paid for it. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, no, no, you have to pay for it if it's a cash basis. Yeah. Where things get a little bit interesting is um, in the world of finance. So let's just have a quick chat around if you finance um, an asset. Now, usually... Again, if times of the essence, if you finance it, usually the finance has all been set up. You go to a you know, car yard or, or a place where you're buying it from, and usually the, you know, the, the transaction has occurred. The money's been paid to the to the to the vendor, and you can walk out, you know, with your with your right. asset. There's, a, there's an interesting quirk when it comes to um, chattel mortgages. Now, when chattel mortgages come along, um, you actually don't have to take possession of it by signing up a chattel mortgage. You're actually deemed to have um, you know, committed yourself for the purchase of the asset. So the it's the one exception to the rule of actually taking possession of it. As soon as you sign up for a chattel mortgage, you can actually um, claim the write-off on the day that you sign up the uh, commit to the chattel mortgage. Mm. So uh, one of the questions that's come up to me this week from, from a few people is, uh, okay, so I'm allowed $20,000 write-off. If I buy, a say, a $25,000 motor vehicle, can I write off the 20000 and then just depreciate the five? No, no, no. There was, there was um, originally there was some, um, that actually was around for, for less than a year that you could, um, you could actually write off up to a certain amount and then pull, you know, the rest of it. Um, no, with the with the twenty thousand instant write off, it's it's black or white. You either you either um, purchase the asset if it costs less than twenty thousand, and we'll clarify what that means in, in a moment. Um, if it costs less than twenty thousand, you get the instant write off. If it costs more than twenty thousand, you have to depreciate it. Mm-hmm. So usually, what that means for a small business, Julian, is if, again, if you're turning over under. Um, $10 million, it means that um, you, you might be able to, if you elect to, to do so, pool all of the assets. And this, this, is, this is a live example leading up to last week with the motor vehicle. I had a client who was trying to take possession of the motor vehicle. Even if you purchase it right on the 30th of June, in the first year that you acquire that asset, you get to depreciate it at 15%, yep. and then the following year at 30%. 30. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but just one clarification, Gunther. I was going to say, and the $20,000 includes GST? Uh, no, no. no? It's 20000 okay. plus. It's 20000 Excluding. Well, you, yeah, it's excluding GST. But what's interesting, the, the, the wording is that to get the 100% instant write-off, the, the asset needs to cost less than $20,000. Okay. So $19,999. There was an interesting case of a guy who bought a car for, or who bought an asset for twenty thousand plus GST, and um, the answer is no. You don't get to um, write that off. It has to be less than twenty thousand dollars. So instead of writing it off at one hundred percent, you can only write it off at fifteen percent and then thirty percent in subsequent years. And I presume, presume also that it depends on whether you're registered for GST or not. Uh, that yes, correct. Yeah, that's another that's another complication because yeah, yeah. if you register for GST, it's the it's the GST exclusive amount. You get to claim the GST back. So the net amount that it's cost you yeah. is yeah, it, it's the amount without GST. But if you're not registered for GST, for so for those who who are way down at the under turning over under seventy five thousand, um, yeah, if you if you're not registered for GST, the net amount that it's costing you is the amount on the invoice. So yeah. Yeah. that amount has to be less than. $20,000. We live in a very complicated world, Julian. Someone <laughs> simplify this, please. But... Is that why we've got accountants? 
Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted I just wanted to spell a rumour too that I didn't crash the ATO computer system yesterday. <laughs> All right. Okay. So it was down for five hours. People were trying to lodge their personal returns. Hmm, and um, it was it was down for five hours. It couldn't cope with the volume of people trying to lodge their returns. Is that what it was? Wow. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, oh. that's exactly what it was. So here's here's a, an interesting scenario where you have governments who are trying to push people to deal with them more and more online, online and it's this digital by default, and they haven't got their systems set up to cope with the peak demand. Yeah. Extraordinary. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Tony. We'll have a chat okay. with you again uh, next month. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants. Yes, just understanding what assets, assets are and particularly the $20,000 time to have our weekly chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian, and how are you on this lovely sunny day? It's going to, that sunny what day is going to continue on over the next few days as well. Yeah, hopefully the temperature will take a couple of degrees upwards as well. It's very cold in the morning. That's all the uh, weather man says here, just uh, sunny. All it says is yeah. sunny. <laughs> Okay, he can say warm and sunny anytime soon. So, um, talking about uh, sunny and positive, we've we've talked about all sorts of innovation over the last few months, and, and particularly some of these weird and strange ones, and the ones that come out of science fiction. Do you think we are over innovating ourselves? Well, it's a very interesting topic, isn't it? Because what we've noticed is we've gone from you know, I mean, we've gone from a progression from cars to electronic vehicles to driverless vehicles. We've had, we've discussed, you know, talk flying bikes. Sorry, I was going to say talking bikes, but they do talk as well. Flying bikes. We've talked about flying taxis, and now we're talking about, you know, we're even going to bypass flying cars and flying taxis to drones that pick you up. And I know we've mentioned that, mm. and I know that we've said that they're going to be trialling those in Dubai theoretically this summer. So, you know, we've also gone from nano robots being injected into your bloodstream to lasers that will kill the legs off cancer cells to injecting nano rods into your brain to brains that are going to hook up to computers, to, you know, actually mm. replacing the whole of the human body. And the thing that I want to ask us is, are we spinning ourselves out so much that our brains can't keep up with what we're asking the fast rate of change to keep us up with? Yeah. So, and, and then the other thing is, we talk about ideas to execution. Some of these things that we're ideating and, and that we're actually prototyping, testing in initial stages... We're not executing as full-on um, full investments or full-on uh, innovations that get embedded into our, into our um, communities before we move on to the next thing. So how does that all fit? Are we following what we say we're doing when we go ideas to execution, let's test it, let's iterate it? What we're doing is we're testing, we're iterating something, and then we're going, oh, hang on, there's another bright, shiny toy. Um, and I'm just wondering where that's going to end. You know, the robots that, that you can now, they can now feel... Um, they feel like they have skin, they have X amount of facial expressions, they can think creatively, they can think for you. Where are we actually heading with all of this? Basic and, a, and of course we've got, we've got so many problems that aren't being solved, like Correct. poverty yeah. and, and so forth, violence. Yeah. Um, you know, should we be looking at other ways of doing, dealing with those sorts of things? Yeah, so instead of looking at trips to Mars and reusable rockets, maybe we should be looking at how are we going to deal with world poverty? How are we going to deal with world sanitation? And sometimes, you know, it's easier to think in terms of the bigger, the bigger, more exciting things than it is to solve a problem that's facing you head on. So it's probably easier to, to, um, to create a rocket that is reusable than it is to take on world poverty. Mm. And where do we fit in that whole cycle? Because 
if we actually test, you know, coming up with a solution to world poverty in a small area, potentially that is scalable, replicable, like we say with with many different innovations that we've got. But it's easier for us to test a one-off rocket that may be reused. So do you think we've got a situation where we really should be listening back to our customers and our customers' problems? Absolutely. Doesn't it always come back to that? So, yeah. And, you know, you look at the... I mean, we've discussed it before. It's not It's not that people want to travel into space just for nothing. We've got people like Branson and Elon Musk who want to do it because it's going to be better for the environment, etc. And that's why we're throwing rockets out there. But before we throw the rockets out there, or at the same time we're throwing rockets out there, should we be looking at some of these, you know, universally identified... The United Nations have identified 17 global goals that they want to try and eradicate by the year 2030. So, you know, how, how are we doing with that? So I asked the question, so what do you think? Do you think we are... What do I think? Do you think we're over-innovating? Personally, like, I don't ever want to kill innovation, but I think <laughs> we need to bring it home. Yeah. And we need, to, we need to bring it back to what you said before. What is customer-centric? How do we actually fulfil the needs and the requirements of the people here and now without killing vision for the future? Because we need, absolutely need vision for the future. I don't want to kill that either. But where mm. is the balance, I guess? Where do we find that medium? Where we go, we're doing, we're doing, living in the here and now, we're marrying humanity with technology and we're also looking towards our future. So we probably want more throat scope type solutions rather, yeah. rather than the rocket ship ones. Yeah, I think so. Or, or do you know, we just, so that we make sure, ensure there's a balance and we're doing things um, that benefit us on many different levels. All right. Well, that's good. Thank you very much for your time again. And uh, maybe we'll have a look at a couple of those way out products again next week. Fantastic. Look forward to it, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with uh, yeah, an interesting point, isn't it? We've talked about innovation a lot over the last few months. But, uh, we've looked at some of those weird and wonderful innovations, but you know, are they really uh, necessary? We've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. First one here is how to fake the confidence you need. When you're feeling overwhelmed and in over your head, The best way to power through is to pretend you've got the confidence you need to get something done. These strategies can help you take it or make it. First of all, think positively. The more you focus on what's scary about the challenge, the more intimidated you feel. Try framing your team, project or initiative not as a threat, but as an opportunity to do something new. Secondly, watch and learn. Observe how others lead. Pay attention to how they use humour, silence and charisma to influence others. Then tailor those tactics to your individual style. And finally, use bold body language. Take long strides. Sit up straight. Walk with your chest held high. Don't slouch. Carrying yourself in a way that conveys power, poise and healthy pride helps you feel more self-assured, which comes across to others. So interesting point. Sometimes we do feel a, a little bit underconfident, don't we? And the other one that we've got for today, don't let today's goals get in the way of your future goals. Most of us want to keep moving forward at work and in life. When you ask yourself, who do I want to be and where do I want to go? Chances are the answers involve growth in some direction. But although you can't spend all your time pursuing those objectives, you definitely won't achieve your goals if you don't spend any time thinking about them. 
If you want to start a new company, launch a new product or lead a new group, you have to spend time planning and building the skills and experience you'll need. And here's the key. You need to spend time on those things even when there are more pressing things to do and even when there is no apparent return on your efforts. Sometimes you need to be irresponsible with your current tasks in order to make real progress on your future self. We all want a better future sometimes, don't we? Well, thank you for listening with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, taking possession of your assets in a proper way. And, of course, are we overcoming uh, or over-innovating ourselves? In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with Angela Simmons from Renew Australia about using those vacant properties effectively or more effectively. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Steve Jobs once said, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.